I read about someone recently who, in preparation for the new year, wrote out 365 blessings, wrote them to herself, and put them in a box so that each day of the new year, she plans to reach into the box and take out one of the blessings to read for the day. Some of the blessings she wrote are benedictions of sorts, speaking a word of goodness and hope into the day. Others are more material blessings, which she seeks to remind herself of on that day, like the blessing of a hot shower or a steady job. In this way, each day begins for her with a word, that lifts her from whatever troubles she may be having into the realm of blessing. While she did not use the word, those little notes she prepared, I might call words of grace, of love. We could do worse than start our day with such words. The poet Ross Gay decided on his birthday a few years ago, to write an essay a day for one full year, from birthday to birthday. Essays that he wanted to focus on a particular delight that occurred on that day. He published a collection of several of these essays in a book entitled, The Book of Delights. The essays are as short as a single paragraph, half a page, and as long as five pages. But what they share in common is a celebration of ordinary wonders. He celebrates in one the way a particular candy melts in his mouth. He remarks on another day about the delight of a pickup basketball game, or flowers in the sidewalk, or a hive of bees. I picked this book up at the end of the summer last year, and it helped me to look at the events of each day, no matter how mundane, as containing the possibility of, of delight, joy. So it was tempting for me to take a cue, since it is the beginning of the new year, come up with a way that I could also mark each day, looking for grace and blessing, wonder, and delight to make a resolution on this new year to scan the days of 2022 with my eyes open and my pen poised to capture the promptings of joy. But then I realized that I'm not very good at resolutions. I never have been. And anyway, I made a resolution, that particular resolution, a long time ago, when I said in answer to the question, do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? When I said, I do, I was making a resolution. When you affirm that you trust in Christ, then you should not need a new year or a new year's resolution to seek to see the presence of Christ in all things, the presence of Christ's delight and joy and blessing in all things on every day. 
I was particularly taken with uh, the current poet laureate of the United States who says, I like to think of a new year being possible at any moment, as every moment is a kind of doorway. Now that we are on the ninth day of Christmas, I think I'm right about that, and the second Sunday of Christmas, I know I'm right about that, we don't get nine ladies dancing, but we do get a doorway, one that we can walk through at any time, regardless of the day of the year, Paul and those who wrote in Paul's name never mentions the birth of Jesus in any of his writings. He hardly mentions anything about Jesus' life and ministry. Instead, Paul keeps his focus always on God and on what it is that Jesus reveals about God, what God is doing through Jesus, what God has accomplished Christ. And in doing so, Paul gets caught up in, in enthusiasm. In this section of Ephesians, the same thing happens. He, he gets caught up in a kind of, of praise and words dance off the page as he describes what God has done through Jesus Christ. He's marking the blessings of God, taking note of the delight that comes to him and should come to us with knowing oneself claimed by Christ. He does not narrate the birth of Christ, but he does narrate the significance of the birth of Christ for all of us and beckons us to walk through the door of praise with him. Some of the words are just caught up in Paul's enthusiasm. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, he says. God has chosen us. God has freely bestowed God's grace on us. We are forgiven because of the riches of grace that God has, and I love this word that he uses, lavished on us. What emerges from this text is the feeling Paul has that God's grace is God's generosity and that God in God's generous spirit has chosen us and lavished upon us love that we do not earn and cannot work our way toward. It is gift. It's God's mysterious will, he says. It's God's good pleasure, he says. It's ours because of God. This is the door Paul shows us today, and it's one through which we can walk every day, making every day the possibility of a newness that far outstrips the newness of January the 1st. Every day becomes alive with delight and blessing because every day begins with God's lavishing upon us God's grace. The significance of Christmas is the coming of God into the world in such a way that this door Paul speaks about becomes more visible to us. And the invitation to walk through it does not belong to one people, but to all people. 
Even though we live in a time in which it seems that all we know how to do is divide up into tribes to separate and categorize ourselves, here we see a vision of what Paul calls God's mysterious will, a plan for what he calls the fullness of time to gather up all things, things in heaven and things on earth, to gather up all things. What a vision that is. And we are part of that plan. We who have placed our trust in Christ, we are part of that gathering up of all things. To embrace our acceptance, (coughs) or as Paul Tillich states it, to accept the fact that we are accepted. This is the doorway. When we walk through it, we can see the delight and blessing and grace, and we are called to point to these things, to proclaim them to God, to proclaim them to the world, that God is gathering up all things. This is the mystery of predestination, that doctrine that is forever associated for good or ill with Presbyterians. This doctrine says that God claimed us before the foundation of the world, that God revealed to us the mysteries of God's purposes for the world. If one believes oneself to have inherited this great calling, You don't puff out your chest and declare that God loves you more than anyone else, that you've been chosen because of your righteousness. No, if anything, if there is such a thing as predestination, then we are chosen and called to proclaim that God's plan is to gather not just some things, but all things to God's own self. We are called, therefore, to purpose, to a task, not just to, or not even to, a privilege. William Loder writes, This elaborate and somewhat flowery acclamation of Paul's is grounded in its underlying vision of God's love. People and things will become one when they acclaim love and compassion and acknowledge those alone as what rules. That vision of Christ is a vision for the whole world. It already shows itself where barriers and prejudices are broken down. The spiritual life, the fully human life, is life joined with with the yearning of God for all people and all creation. The glory of God fills the earth when the world finds reconciliation and hope in love. This is a single and big vision of justice and peace in which we too are invited to share. God longs for the world to be reconciled. For all people to be gathered up into the kingdom of God. And we are caught up into that longing when we 
answer that question. Do you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior? Our destiny is bound up with God's plan. Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa, who died just this past Sunday, says that to be chosen by God is not about us, it's all about God. He says, in the end, what matters is not how good we are, but how good God is. How much we love God, but how much God loves us. And God loves us, whoever we are, whatever we've done or failed to do, whatever we believe or can't believe. Another time he said, we may be surprised at the people we find in heaven. God has a soft spot for sinners. God's standards are quite low. Paul tells us in a burst of praise here in Ephesians that we are indeed part of God's plan, not because of anything we have done, but because of God's love and grace that we cannot earn it, we can only receive it. So for the year 2022, you do not need, I think, to write out 365 blessings and put them in a jar. Not a bad idea, but not a need. You do not need to write 365 essays about the delights and joys you experience each day. Not that I'm under any illusion that most of us would want to. You do not need a New Year's resolution. Dare we say that we have everything we need already in the blessings that God has given us. You know, back in the old days of the Presbyterian Church, young children had to memorize the Westminster Catechism. It was a teaching tool written by those old Westminster founders that sought to highlight all the important doctrines of the Reformed faith. One of those old-time Presbyterians who had to memorize the catechism was my professor at Bethel College back in the mid-'80s, the late uh, William Ramsey, who was a lecturer here back in 2005, by the way. In addition to being a top-flight biblical scholar, he was known to be a bit quirky and eccentric. For instance, he took the Sabbath observance quite seriously, something that he was taught from that self-same catechism and from his strict Reformed upbringing. He loved to tell us that he didn't bathe on Saturdays just to watch us cringe. He was famous for having reading glasses, those half-glasses readers, all over his house and all over the campus because he had a knack for losing them. He also, when he got excited, would twirl those glasses in his, in his fingers. And more than one class had the added excitement of him accidentally flinging them across the classroom and striking a student in the head. One day, in a burst of enthusiasm, not unlike Paul's here in Ephesians, Dr. Ramsey took off his readers and twirling them emphatically with every word, he said, the whole of the Bible and of the faith 
is right there in the first question and answer of the catechism. If you don't know any of the others, know this one. What is the chief end of man, he said, to glorify God and enjoy God forever? You'd do well, students, to tape that up on your dorm room mirror. None of us did. He was old, one of those old-line Presbyterians, old-line Southern Presbyterians, and we chalked it up to more of his weirdness. I wish, though, now that I could go back and thank him for that Pauline outburst of praise and wisdom. In 2022, we could take a cue from Paul and from Dr. Ramsey and ditch all the resolutions save for one. Tape it up on our mirrors or in our hearts and start each day glorifying God and seeing all things with the joy-filled eyes of those chosen and called to be part of God's great gathering up of all things. Amen.